this week on Pointing the Way with Pastor Shad Smith. Welcome to Pointing the Way, a ministry of the Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. We pray you will find direction for living as we look into the Word of God today. I want to tell you a little story very quickly here on Father's Day. I heard about three little boys out on the playground, and uh, they were all talking about whose daddy was the best. And the first little boy said, my daddy is the best because he knows the mayor. And the next little boy said, well, I can beat that. My daddy's the best because he knows the president. And the last little boy said, you boys ain't got nothing on my daddy. My daddy knows God. This morning, for just a few minutes, I'm preaching on this subject. A man that knows God. A man that knows God. And Hebrews 11 gives several examples of such men, but the one I want to look at is in verse number 7. The Bible says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 7 sets a pretty high bar for men. Most men don't measure up. At times in my life, I have not many times measured up to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 7. In fact, at times, Noah didn't even measure up to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 7. And Noah was far from a perfect man, and we can read about Noah, and we read a lot about Noah's life, and we found it wasn't clean, it wasn't good. But what we read here lets us know that despite him being an imperfect man, he was a man that knew God. Now, I'm going to tell you, fellas, today the message is going to challenge you because it challenged me. And that's all right. Men need to be challenged. This is a challenging passage of Scripture. Men need to be challenged. And beyond just being challenged, men need other men to hold them accountable to the Word of God. And the man that's going to hold us accountable this morning is Noah himself. We're going to learn about his life in this seventh verse. And several things I want to point out to you this morning. First of all, we learn that Noah was a faithful man. He was a faithful man. Look at how verse number seven begins. Those first two words. By faith. By faith. Those two words right there separated Noah from everybody else in his day. Those words separated Noah from every other man living on planet Earth at that time. He was a man of faith. You say, well, how can you be sure it separated him from every other man? Noah lived in a very unique time in human history. Noah lived in that day just prior to the destruction of the Earth because of sin by God with a global flood. And God spoke to Noah over a hundred years before that happened. And so we know from reading the account of Noah in Genesis, we know that when God spoke to Noah, everything around Noah was wicked, and everyone around Noah was wicked. 
Yet the Bible says Noah was a faithful man. He was a man of faith. Verse 7 says that Noah was warned of God of things not seen as yet. Noah was so faithful that God trusted Noah with the most important message for humanity. The world is about to be destroyed. Judgment is coming. God could have given that message to anybody. But God trusted that message with Noah because God knew that he could trust Noah. Noah was faithful. He was faithful to the Word of God. He was faithful to obey the Word of God. Now men, this is Father's Day. And on Father's Day, this Father's Day is not any different maybe than any other Father's Day. Churches all over America, basically in most places, the same general message is going to be preached today. It'll have something to do with thank God for dad or the responsibilities of dad. And we'll hear a message pretty much year after year on Father's Day of how important men are, how influential men are, whether it be positive or negative, on the home, on the church, on society. Men are important. And I agree with that statement. Men are very important. They are very influential. But apparently, as much as that's going to be preached today, we don't really believe that. Did you know that this will probably be the only Sunday of 2019 where men will outnumber the women in attendance in this church today? Too many families, the Sunday after Father's Day, are fatherless in the house of God. There's no other explanation for that, gentlemen, than the fact that we're not as faithful as we need to be. A sad thing in the church is that we've so conceded that men are not going to be faithful. Here's the philosophy the 21st century church has adopted. Since we haven't got the men, we'll go after the kids. And if we can go after the kids, maybe we can reach the family. Men, I want you to know, that is plumb backwards. Very few times in my ministry life have I ever seen an entire family be brought to church because a kid led them to church. Guys, I want you to know God didn't call my kids to lead my family. God didn't call my kids to lead this church. God didn't call our kids to lead this nation. God wants the man of the house to be first in leadership. You know, in recent years, I've made the statement that if not for the ladies of the church, most churches would have to close up their doors shut down their ministries. And I've said that on an occasion, uh, really, for nothing else to brag on our ladies as to how grateful we are for our ladies and what the ladies do in our churches. But the fact that we make statements like that ought to challenge every man in this building. If all the ladies decided not to come back next Sunday, I'd blame the men for that. Amen, preacher. Preach on if our homes are going to glorify God, it's going to take a man to make that happen. And if our church is going to glorify God, it's going to take a faithful man to make that happen. Men are faithful to the Scriptures and men like Noah that believe the warning of God. If you look at the Bible, I know this isn't popular in our culture. It's not politically correct. We're living in an age today where people are politically correct and biblically corrupt. It's not popular to say this, but... God still put the man in the role of leadership across the board. In the home, in the church, 
and in the nation. We've got a lot of fatherless families in church week after week. We've got a lot of masculinity missing from our ministries. And I heard recently in the news that now we're talking about sending our girls off to war. Now, I'm not against equal rights for women here on Father's Day. And I'm not one of these that says a woman shouldn't be paid what a man can get paid, Brother Leroy. If a woman can do what a man can do, she ought to make the same thing. But it's a sad day in this nation when we're willing, when wartime comes, to say, let's send our mamas and our daughters with M16s in their hand to go fight a battle. Our grandpa's generation, the greatest generation, would say, your generation of men are cowards if they let their women fight for them. You say, what's that got to do with the Bible? What's that got to do with Father's Day? That has everything to do with men not being faithful to carry the role of leadership that God naturally put into the life of a man. And when I talk about men carrying the lead, ladies, I, I don't want you to get a burr under your saddle at your preacher today. You're not any less important today. And God has gifted you with some things that God knows us men couldn't do. But men in God's order of things, because God has placed you in the role He has placed you in, God has a higher expectation on the man than He does on anyone. He expects more. You look at Noah. God gave the warning for the entire world. He gave it to Noah, the man of the house. Now, we know that there was a Miss Noah, but we don't know her name. We don't know much about her because God's dealing was directly with Mr. Noah. God didn't send the message to Miss Noah and say, Miss Noah, get this done. God sent it to Mr. Noah because he knew that he could count on Mr. Noah to be a faithful man of God and get the job done. I wonder today when we think about being a faithful man, how many of us men are faithful enough to the God of this Bible and faithful and have a godly influence in our own home, that our own kids will actually come to us and say, Dad, what does God say about my problem? Because they know you're a faithful man of God. We will never be that kind of man unless we open up a Bible. Guys, you, your boys and girls may know that you know how to have a good time and you know how to go to Chuck E. Cheese and you know how to go to the Braves game and you know how to hit a golf ball and you teach your boy how to shoot a rifle and that's wonderful. You ought to teach him all those things but God have mercy on the man that never teaches his boy how to pray. Never teaches his boy how to open the Word of God. It challenges my heart to think of God's expectation of me to be a faithful man not just as a pastor but before I'm a pastor if you decide today that I'm never your pastor again, I'm still going to be the husband to Terry Smith and the daddy to Jonah and Anna Smith. And God is a, has a tremendous responsibility on me to be a faithful man. It's not my wife's responsibility, guys, to get the family going and make sure that they're coming to church on Sunday. Oh, she does a lot to make sure that we got clean clothes to wear and everybody gets up on time. But, but it's not her responsibility to make sure the family is in the, in the right spiritual groove and moving in the right spiritual direction. That responsibility falls on my shoulders. God expects a man to be faithful. Noah was a faithful man. That's the first thing God said about him. By faith. Right there in Faith's Hall of Fame, Hebrews 11. So I wonder today, Brother Joe, when God speaks our names in heaven, Brother Ronnie, when your name comes up in glory, 
Brother Gary, when God's uh, looking down the Lamb's Book of Life and he's just looking at the names there and he comes across Gary Dulledge and, and Philip Parks, well, when he looked by those names and said, now there's a man of faith right there. That's one that I can count on down there to be faithful to do what I need him to do. We need a man that knows God. Secondly, Noah was not only a faithful man, but this is a little unusual. He was also a fearful man. Verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Now, fear in man is not something that we like to, to put together. Men don't want to be called fearful of anything. We're supposed to have courage. Back this week, and this was a tremendously long week for all of us. Bible school, we got up early, stayed out late. I mean, we were tired. It was a long week. Brother Curtis, one night this week, I, I reckon it's probably about Wednesday or Thursday night. I mean, I was in bed. I was sleeping good. Man, I was sawing logs. At about 3 o'clock in the morning, my phone rung, and it was my daughter. Isn't it crazy? We live in an age where they're right across the hall, and they just call you on the phone, but she... She called me to see if I was up. She asked, Daddy, are you up? And I said, well, uh, yeah, I was sitting here. I, I knew you'd call any minute. I've been waiting on it, you know. <laughs> what can I do for you, honey? She said, Daddy, I hear a noise outside. And my daughter's 17 years old. She's becoming a lady in her own right now. She's right downstairs right now uh, working with our children's ministry and children's church. So she's past the point of, Daddy, I, I'm hearing things, and Daddy, there's a monster under my bed. She said, Daddy, I hear a noise outside. I said, I'll go check it out. I got up, put a pair of shorts on, and some flip-flops on. I reached over in the corner, and I grabbed the pump shotgun. Because that's, guys, what you want to be shooting at 3 o'clock in the morning when you're half asleep. Okay? I want something I just point pull dead over. You know? Shotgun is your tool of choice at that hour of the morning. So I grabbed the shotgun and I walked outside and Brother Tommy, I got to my porch and I listened and I heard something. So I wrapped one of those shells into that baby, took the safety off, and commenced to walking through the yard. Let me tell you, you can come see your preacher anytime you want to. You're welcome at my house. But honey, you're gonna get shot at three in the morning. Nobody's supposed to be out there. And I walked out, we've got, we've got a storage building back behind our house. And I walked out there, and I listened, and I, it was still moving. And I walked up to my shed, and about that time, the biggest rabbit in Spring Garden, Alabama, ran out in front of me. I'm talking that, that it was a monster. I had my finger on the trigger. It's wonder I didn't wake up my entire neighborhood. I caught myself quickly. You know, I'm telling you what, brothers. My heart went. <laughs> I thought, man, I'm not supposed to be scared of anything. I'm the man of the house here. So I went back in, quietly shut the door, laid the gun over in the corner of the living room, sat down, and caught my breath. Wiped the sweat off my head. Got the heart rate back down to where it was supposed to be. And then I walked in my daughter's bedroom. As if nothing ever happened, she, she said, did you see it? I said, oh, honey, I wasn't that. It's just a little rabbit. It's all right. And she said, okay, bless her heart, she's half asleep. She rolled over and she went right back to sleep like that. You know why she went to sleep? Because if Daddy said everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be okay. Daddy's not supposed to be afraid 
Men, we don't like to think that we're afraid of anything. We shouldn't be afraid of things. But, but listen to me. There is an area of life, Brother Tommy, you talked about it in Sunday school, in which every man ought to be afraid, and that is every man ought to have the fear of God. Noah was moved with fear. He hears the warning of God. And right there it says he was moved with fear. That you think, why was he afraid? He was afraid that people he loved were going to get left out under the judgment of God. That moved him with fear. Knowing you enough about God, because remember, he's a faithful man. He knows when God says he's going to do something, God means business. Noah feared God. I wonder how much we fear God today. Did you know God has given us a warning just like he gave Noah? Judgment day is coming again. If we are moved with the fear of God the way God expects us to be, we're going to do everything we can do to get our families in a place of protection. Guys, are you taking judgment day seriously? Are you teaching your kids how important it is and your grandkids how important it is to take God serious? How will they know? They will know if it's important to you. Joshua was such a man. In Joshua 24, 15, he said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was a man that feared God, and he led his family to fear God. He didn't ask his family in Joshua 24, Do y'all want to serve God? He declared to them, We're going to serve God. You ever hear somebody say, Somebody needs to put the fear of God in them. Well, Daddy needs to be the one doing that. Daddy needs to put the fear of God in you. Daddy needs to put the fear of God in the home. If the home's going to fear God, it'll be because Daddy fears God. But if Daddy sends the kids off to church and the wife off to church without him, they're not going to fear God because they don't, they're not afraid of something until Daddy gets afraid of something. You follow me today, men? If you'll have a fear of God, your family is more likely to have a fear of God. And by the way, we talk about all those other fears that we're not supposed to have. When you fear God, you don't have to worry about anything else. Okay? You don't have to fear anything when you fear God. Number three, Noah was not only a faithful man and a fearful man, Noah was a family man. Verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God uh, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. When God told Noah destruction was coming, Noah went to work for the next 120 years building an ark primarily to save his house. Now, I've heard people say, well, you know, Noah, uh, he, he did a lot for God, and, and he was God's man, he was a preacher of righteousness. I heard one guy preach this one time, he said, but you know, Noah didn't win a lot of people to the Lord. Well, I beg to differ, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you forget that he led every member of his house into the safety of the ark. To me, that makes Noah the ultimate family man. I, I want to be a family man. I, I, I've always been a, a family man. I love family. We do things, guys, for family we won't do for nobody else. We'll, we'll act silly around our family in ways that we won't act around anybody else. Uh, you'll, you'll do things as a daddy, Brother Ronnie, that you wouldn't do for anybody else. My son was five years old. I found myself coaching a five-year-old soccer team. Now, I don't know a thing about soccer, and I'm just going to be quite honest with you. I don't even like soccer. I think it's un-American. My son, he wanted to play soccer. And then I went along with that, and Karen said, you're going to support me. And I said, I wanted to play football. She said, it is football. I said, no, it's not. Now, look, I did soccer because I loved him, and I was a family man. But I want to tell you, a few years later, my boy got in the will of God. He got a real football. And I stood up, and I didn't care who thought about it. 
I stood up and yelled to the top of my lungs every time that ball went into my boy's hands. Every time he went out on the field, we was there. We saw him score some touchdowns. There wasn't nobody in the building screaming louder than me. Everything had, had leveled out. That wasn't hard to do because I'm a family man. Then one day, my daughter asked me to take her to get her nails done. Like soccer. That ain't right, but we do what we have to do for our families because we love our families. Let me ask you something, Dad. How much of a family man would I be if I knew there was a danger out there for my family and I didn't warn them about it, didn't protect them about it, and didn't provide security for them in it? Could I call myself a family man if at 3 a.m. the other morning I'd have loaded that shotgun up, gave it to Carrie, and said, go on out there and check it out? I was tired enough to do that, but I wouldn't be much of a family man in doing that. Let me ask you a more serious question. Am I really a family man if I'm not getting my family ready to meet God? I mean, when God warned Noah, who was the first people he went to work trying to get in the ark? His family. Now listen to me, beloved. You, guys, you can be a good provider, and you ought to be. You can buy clothes, and you ought to. You ought to spend time with them, and you ought to. You ought to take care of their needs, and you ought to. But the place where men are dropping the ball today is the eternal side of life. We're looking out for their future. Like, for instance, we're putting back money for them to go to college, and we're helping them get their first car and their second car, maybe. We're helping them uh, make sure that they know how to catch a ball so they can be on the team, and we're helping them learn how to bait a hook so they can know how to fish and all that, and that's wonderful. But, Dad, if you've got kids today where they're not where they need to be with the Lord, why does it matter if they know how to bait a hook or catch a ball or kick a ball if they're going to hell one day? You're not really a family man if you're not planning on taking your family to heaven. One day it won't matter if they end up in hell how many times you took them to Disney World so you can be dad of the year. And I'm not opposed to that. And I'm just telling you, we invest so much in the, the here and now that we forget that there's an eternity for our kids we need to invest in. Be the eternal family man. Notice in verse 7 again. In verse 7 we learn that Noah was a firm man. It says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, as of things not as seen as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house by which he condemned the world. Did you hear that? Noah condemned the world. What does that mean? Noah's life condemned the world. You set Noah's righteous life up against the backdrop of that wicked world, his life was condemning to the world. In other words, Noah lived a life counter to the culture. He was a preacher of righteousness. He didn't, only, he, he didn't just preach to his family, he preached to everybody else's family. Noah didn't care about being popular. He was very much in the minority in his day, but he stayed firm in his conviction of what God said God would do, what God says was right, and whether people made fun of him, laughed at him. For 120 years, he believed God and kept doing what God told him to do. Why? Because he was firm. He believed. He had some conviction about it. A man of conviction will not just say he believes the Word of God, but he'll go do something with what God says. And in Noah's case, God says a flood's coming, so Noah goes and he builds an ark. He's firm in his conviction. Now, the ark was not a weekend Bob Vila backyard project. I know, guys, we can do that. I wonder, would, would we really, really work for God if it involved such a massive project like that? Noah had conviction. We need some men with godly convictions today. Firm in their convictions. Men that will be so convicted in the Word of God that their very behavior will be condemning to the world. 
Let me ask you a few questions, guys. You think about this. How in the world in America did we get to the place back in 1973 where, where our Supreme Court, would, would, people would go along with the thought that it was okay to kill a baby? Listen, over at my house, the babies look for daddy to take care of them. Are you following me? How in the world did we get to the place in America where we could, in some states today, say it's okay for some transgender man or woman, I don't even know what to call them, it's okay for a, a, a guy dressed like a girl to go into the girl's bathroom because he identifies as a guy. We had a generation long ago that was so firm in their conviction, Washington knew better than to start talking about garbage like that because some daddies would have stood up and said, not while I'm alive are you going to send a man in there with my girl when she's using the bathroom. Not in my lifetime are you going to let some doctor come in there and for money kill my unborn baby. Listen to me today, friend. God, give us some men that are firm, firm, firm like Noah, that if the whole world around him wants to go to hell, that man will say, as for me and my house, we're going to do what's right and we're going to serve God. There needs to be a man enforcing rule in the home, firm of, uh, of what's right and what's wrong. God called men to be the gatekeeper. Guys, if there's filthy garbage in your house, it don't have to be in your house. Why? You say, well, my wife does this. My kids do this. My kids listen to music they shouldn't be listening to. My kids watch stuff on TV. Man, I want to tell you something. God still says you're the man of the house. Noah was ridiculed for believing God, but Noah's resolve was firm. And I'm telling you something. His testimony was a condemnation of, of the world he, he lived in. Are there any men still like that? You may lose some popularity under your own roof, but guys... Stand for what's right. Maybe one day your boys and girls will come back around to knowing that they thank God they had a daddy that stood for what's right. And they'll go through their rebellious stage, but maybe they'll come back around to where they'll appreciate that daddy was fine. And the last thing, we come back really full circle because the text ends the way it began. I'll say one more time, Noah was a faithful man. I say that again because the text ends with that. It started with that and it ends with that. He tells us twice that he was a man of faith. Look, look at the end of the verse. By which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Because Noah listened and believed God, because he feared the Lord, he went out, he prepared an ark, he made a place of refuge, he stood boldly and condemned the culture he lived in. And the Bible says he became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Which is by faith. In other words, what that is saying is it's saying that Noah was a saved man. Noah was a saved man. He had a testimony. His wife knew he was a saved man. And his kids knew he was a saved man. Do your kids today know that Daddy is a godly man? Our, our culture has lost respect for men. Because men, a lot of us have lost respect for God. When we lose that respect, the world doesn't take us serious anymore. If there was a man here today that wanted to be a, a man of God, I would encourage you today, if you've got a kid that's out of the will of God, be the man. Come today. Lead your family to get in the altar and pray for them. If you're not the man that's what you're supposed to be, start. Start. There needs to be a starting place. Start today. Your kids, they know the real you. They know the you that preacher don't know, that church members don't know, that people at work don't know. They know the real you. What's, what are they seeing today? Be a man that knows God. And listen, guys, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I'm telling you, kids need an earthly father 
maybe the heavenly father as well, don't they? But here's the best of all for Thank you for joining us today. Pointing the Way is a ministry of Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may write Pointing the Way, 120 Northside Church Road, Dallas, Georgia, 30132. Or visit us on the web at www.northsidedallas.com. Until next time, open God's Word to point the way for direction in your life.